Welcome to Radar Contact, the air traffic management podcast by Fox ATM. Welcome to one more episode of Radar Contact. I'd like to start this one with a little joke about myself. I tend to say I'm a bit of a unique profile in ATM because I left not one but two ANSPs in my career. And actually, my guest today completely tops me on that. So my guest today is Jesper Sku, the co-founder and CEO of SkyPuzzler. Jesper, welcome to Radar Contact. Thank you very much, Vincent. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And as I said, uh, you went through an impressive number of organizations through your career. You have been with SkyGuide in Switzerland, with Navier in Denmark, with LFV in Sweden, with Guard in Abu Dhabi. You have been involved with, with Eurocontrol. So it looks like you've been, you've been all over the place. And the interesting perspective here is to know what were the, the most important lessons learned for you through that exceptional career? Thank you, Vincent. I think that um, uh, let me start with uh, with my background as an uh, air traffic controller from uh, from Copenhagen, from Navier, and then um, as a very uh, very young uh, air traffic controller, uh, I went to uh, Zurich and I worked four years for uh, for SkyGuide. It was a um, at that time a very good uh, experience, and I learned how to navigate in uh, different uh, cultures. I think that's that's very important when you are uh, moving between ANSPs or between uh, countries. It's the uh, it's the culture. I also hold an MBA from two thousand and seven. So so coming to to the C level uh, that I have worked at uh, more than fifteen years, I think um, I would say I have used uh, my background as an air traffic controller. So the skills that I have learned as an ATCO, uh, they have been very important uh, for me during my management career in all the different uh, ANSPs and countries. You know, as an ATCO, you are able to handle stress, you are good at making decisions. So I have used that in my management career. Uh, I've been the CEO of Navia uh, and I have worked five years in uh, Stockholm as COO for the Danish and Swedish airspace. And maybe you think that Denmark and Sweden are their very their cultures and management style they are uh, the same, but they are absolutely not. So uh, it's 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 again it's about the culture and working a, on a sea level. You have to to look at the cultures and the and the management style. I worked uh, five years in the Middle East, uh, as you mentioned in uh, Abu Dhabi. I was the COO and then the CEO for Global Air Navigation uh, Services. It's a it's a private ANSP uh, providing ATC and uh, CNS uh, to um, to many airports. And and the big difference here is uh, coming from ANSPs in uh, Europe uh, with uh, monopoly and into a um, a private ANSP in the Middle East. That's that's a totally different environment and uh, it's an environment with competition which we could learn a lot from here in uh, Europe and there's also a, a very sharp uh, focus on uh, performance and uh, of course the bottom line uh, so it's 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 a very different uh, uh, culture I work with uh, 45 uh, different nationalities in uh, global air navigation services that were coming from uh, all over the world so 
basically it's a it's a multicultural uh, environment so i learned a lot during the five years and i enjoyed uh, every day there's so many skilled people um coming with the big uh, all the different backgrounds and uh, i have now a, a lot of new friends uh, for the rest of my life and i also extended my uh, professional uh, network so i think the last thing I want to say here is that uh, if you have the chance uh, to work uh, abroad, uh, then uh, do it. It's uh, an experience for for a lifetime, and um, I, I also think it can uh, it can launch your international career and open doors for for new opportunities around the world, and then your um, should I say cross cultural competences they will uh, they will go through the roof. Yeah, I can totally approve on, and relate on that because, uh, especially what you said on on Denmark and Sweden, I moved myself from from Switzerland to Germany, and people think oh, it's like it's like the next country, but there are indeed uh, difference in styles, in different ways of doing business, and different ways of of reacting. But basically, what you are saying is that there are some universal things in in being an air traffic controller. I could imagine there are universal things in being an engineer as well which is my path. And I also really appreciate your advice to go international. A lot of LSPs will probably not like that because they like to keep the ad cause at home. But I think uh, showing ad cause moving around will become more and more common in the future. Yes, I uh, I fully agree. And uh, you can get, uh, as an ad co, you can get uh, you can job, you can get a job all over the world. So I think uh, if, if I think uh, you should do it because it's uh, it's really an experience for a lifetime. Definitely. Um, thank you for sharing on that. But now let's have a look at your, your current position and, and latest venture. So you are the co-founder and CEO of Sky Puzzler, a company which is active in AAM. So I will let you introduce what AAM is uh, across all the many acronyms we have in the, in the industry for now and, and what you are doing with Sky Puzzler. Uh, thank you. I, I think there's a lot of uh, people saying about AAM, UAM, which is urban air mobility. Uh, urban air mobility is, uh, from my point of view, it's a subset of advanced air mobility. And advanced air mobility, that's what we're working with in uh, in SkyPuzzler. It's, uh, it's basically a new uh, air transport uh, system concept that will be integrated into a, an existing airspace. So that's, that's what we are defining advanced air mobility. So a new concept and a subset of that is uh, the urban air mobility, which of course is in urban uh, areas. With regards to, uh, to SkyPuzzler, it's, um, it's a Danish uh, registered company in, uh, based in uh, Copenhagen, and we are three founders uh, of the company. Our, our core business is uh, to, um, to develop a, a complex algorithm for um, tactical deconfliction of drones and uh, other airspace uh, users. And, and this software algorithm is an uh, add-on to uh, UTM uh, systems. So all the providers of uh, UTM systems, they can, uh, they can benefit uh, from this uh, algorithm. Of course, we need uh, a lot of uh, data from the UTM systems. So based on this data, uh, then we will, how can I say, we'll do the puzzle in the sky 
Uh, that's why the company is called Skypuzzler. And and if we look at uh, today's air traffic control, it, it cannot be used in uh, unmanned uh, environments. And that's due to the complexity and number of drones in the future. So it will be an ongoing challenge uh, to keep all air traffic uh, moving safely and uh, efficiently. So, so, so if you look at what is tactical deconflictions, uh, you have uh, uh, three levels here. The first level is uh, a strategic deconfliction, which is the pre-flight planning. So you can, you can uh, pre-flight uh, plan uh, based on time, based on segregated areas or even corridors. That, that's what we are using today to separate drones. Uh, then the next level is tactical deconfliction. That's what we are working with. Now the drones, uh, they are flying there in the air and we will tactically deconflict them. And the last thing is, or the, the, the third level is detect and avoid, which is similar to, uh, to the well-known uh, TCAS uh, system. So we, we, have, uh, we have developed a, a proof of concept, so we know that it's, uh, it's working, and now we're working on uh, the prototype. And we are doing that in, in close cooperation with a, uh, with a big uh, Danish uh, university. And later this year, our computer scientist, uh, he will start a PhD in this area. And why a PhD? That's uh, because it will give, off, uh, give us a lot of uh, research and uh, documentation which can be used uh, later on in the approval process uh, with the regulators. This We're talking about safety here. So, of course, we need an approval for our software. And with a PhD, this will be, uh, I'm not saying it will be easier, but we have a lot of documentation and research within this. At the moment, we are focusing on uh, the what we call the very low uh, airspace. However, in the future, we are also seeing this software being used uh, within uh, ATC, within air traffic control, and even in space level, because it's an algorithm and you can use it uh, in, in all different kinds of uh, segments. We're also providing some consultancy and advisory to companies and uh, in especially municipalities, you know, we're planning to implement the uh, use-based services, uh, UTM systems. So, all this uh, EU regulation about uh, common information services and, and future use-based service provider roles. So to boost the organization's uh, ability to uh, embrace and facilitate new business opportunities. And we're focusing on the entire ecosystem, which involves all uh, the stakeholders. So, so two things within SkyPostler, the algorithm and then the uh, consultancy part for all these new stakeholders. That, that could be city planners, for example. You know, they have very strong uh, knowledge uh, within planning the cities. But how about the, the airspace above the city? So, so a lot of new players, a lot of new stakeholders with limited knowledge about air traffic. That's quite of an answer. Thank you very much. And now there are a few points I'd like to, to dig into. Uh, the first one is when you talk about mobility here. When, when I hear the word, the word mobility, I always think of moving people around, so air taxis and so. Or do you also include moving goods with smaller drones? Because my feeling is that there will be a completely different level of certification and, and the different rule sets from the moment we will try to transport people with these things. 
I think if you look at advanced air mobility, it, it contributes to uh, to the green transition. It's it's a flexible and agile form of transportation, and you can use it within within many industries. As you mentioned, it, you can transport people, of course, with drone taxes, uh, inspections, filming in harbors, uh, we know uh, the port of Antwerp and uh, Rotterdam, they're looking into all of this last mile delivery. Uh, there's a lot of examples, uh, manor drones in Ireland. Uh, so, so there are a lot, a lot of examples uh, uh, with industries uh, using this uh, technology. And, and at the moment, the billions of dollars are invested into this uh, industry. But, but again, I think it's important to say that without an, some kind of automated tactical uh, separation of all the drones flying, there's only a few drone operations are possible. Otherwise, they have to be in restricted areas or corridors, which is not, uh, you can't scale that. So it's it's limited opportunities. And, and basically, I have to say that organizations, they are wasting money uh, on this great initiative, uh, and we will not uh, boost the green uh, transition. So, and, and I think you mentioned, Vincent, that how about the separation here, separation minima? Uh, we, we know all the minimas within uh, the ATM industry. So I think uh, most, most people working in this industry are aware of, uh, of five, five miles and 1,000 feet. But what are the standards and the separation minima for drones? I heard someone said that, uh, oh, then we can have uh, 500 feet and two and a half miles. So where is that coming from? I think uh, we quickly. So, so what Sky Puzzle wants here is to be part of setting uh, the standards and the separation minima uh, for drones. I uh, personally, I think it should be performance based. So, and our algorithm will deconflict the drones, but we are also able to adjust uh, the minimus. So we don't have to code everything from the beginning if the standards or the separation minima will change uh, over time. So, so I think that seeing a lot of uh, drones flying uh, a BV loss uh, behind the visual line of sight and autonomous from A to B, I think that's, uh, that's, that's what we are looking into. Basically, it's a... It's a free route airspace for drones and not limited to restricted areas and, uh, and corridors. Yeah, that sounds like a, a great plan on a significant piece of, of the puzzle we have to solve, pun intended. Oh. Where do you see your algorithm being placed? Because uh, if you look at a classical ATM system, the separation is basically managed on the ground. But if everything fails, the pilot still have some ways to maintain separation be it TCAS, C and avoid and so on. So, But obviously with drones, you don't have a pilot on board anymore. So C and avoid is, is not applicable anymore. So with your algorithm, do you target infrastructure on the ground, on board or both? I think, as I mentioned before, the three levels here. So one is strategic, and then we have the tactical deconfliction. If something goes wrong, and we know it today from the ATM industry, you have the TCAS and uh, many drones, they also have detect anavoid, not see anavoid, uh, of course, because they are flying, most of them autonomous. They don't have a pilot on board or a pilot uh, uh, in the end. So 
so so detect and avoid uh, is a tool that uh, that will be used uh, as as the last uh, level of safety otherwise the tactical deconfliction and and our uh, algorithm is is today's uh, air traffic control but for drones and it's digital it's based on data there is no human intervention it's it's a digital and autonomous environment Nice, really looking forward to see the, the technical details of this when you come out of the woods. And here I'd like to pick up two words we used a lot in the interview already. One was culture in the beginning in different ways. And, and you mentioned certification a couple of times. And something we see from our perspective happening quite often these days is a collision in culture and speed between the ATM industry, which tends to be very conservative and for good reasons. I mean, the safety record is here too to prove that we are not doing something wrong here. And all the people coming from the drones who are like, oh, I will have my 600 uh, delivery drones flying in your city in three months. And there is a big cultural shock happening here. Is it something where with the consultancy, you can bring some perspective and help this, this mix of culture to happen correctly? Yeah, I, I agree with you that uh, the ATM industry is uh, conservative uh, and, and in some areas, of course, we have to uh, because it's uh, by the end of the day, it's all about safety. But, but I think uh, we're, we're working with uh, some uh, authorities uh, in different countries and there's also uh, different kinds of level within the authorities. Uh, some are uh, very engaged and uh, they're very fast and others they are very slow and still within this uh, conservative mode. So, so I think we have to speak, you, I, I guess uh, a lot of uh, people are aware of uh, SORA, uh, the, the Special uh, Operation uh, Risk Assessment, you know, and it takes an awful long time to get approvals in many countries. And we're also facing, facing that in, in Denmark. It's getting better, but I think this is a, a, an industry moving very, very fast. So, so I think it's, it's important not to kill the industry because uh, before it's uh, basically uh, uh, able to operate. Uh, so I think uh, the authorities, uh, we have to have focus uh, there because we're still in this conservative uh, ATM uh, mode. With all respect for that, we are talking about safety, of course. Yeah. You also mentioned municipalities and authorities a couple of times, and I know that that's a question which is around and maybe not answered yet, which is quite basic. Uh, who does belong the very low airspace to? Because if you look at uh, a classical ATM chart, they will say you, okay, from ground to, I don't know, few hundred feet, you have golf airspace that's uncontrolled. And for years and for decades, it interested nobody because, I mean, nobody flies between buildings. You have a few helicopters operating above, but nobody goes where the drones want to go now. So in, in your view, who does that belong to? Is it the landowners? Is it the municipality? Or is it such a hot potato that you don't want to reply to this one? <laughs> of course, I want to reply to it because I have asked the same questions a lot of places. And it's, uh, it's, it's difficult to get an answer to this. But I think, you know, if, if, if you look at the uh, drone ecosystem and with all the stakeholders involved now, we have municipalities, we have, I mentioned also city planners, uh, the state, even the state. So 
So if you are planning for drone operations above uh, an urban area, of course you have to involve the municipality. They they have a say because uh, I don't know. I'm not going to answer uh, if they own the airspace and uh, if they do up to which level is it 400 feet, 500 feet, or what is it? Uh, I can't answer that. But I think that it's so important that they are involved, and that's what we are working uh, with. So the municipalities they should be at the table to see what's going on uh, just above uh, the buildings. Uh, so, so, and and that's that's where uh, you know consultants uh, around Europe, uh, at least they um, they have a lot of job to do because there's a lot of municipalities they are not aware of what's going on. What's what's the rules uh, above uh, the city uh, flying in the air? Also, with the future virtual ports, we're seeing a lot of companies uh, building virtual ports. Are they going to be on top of a hospital or so? So and also some simulations that can show the municipality and the city planners how is the uh, the airspace just above the city and how will the drones fly from A to B? But they have to be involved. Yeah, in, indeed, and I think one of the important factors as well will be noise. Specifically speaking about last mile delivery, I can totally imagine drone flying from a let's say a central post office to a local post office to move parcels quickly. But I'm not sure I would like to have my Amazon parcels, not to mention the Amazon parcels to my neighbors, being delivered by drones three times a day. Public acceptance is a very, very important uh, issue when we are operating with drones. And they, the public, they have to be engaged or informed as well. And of course, there are areas where you can't fly. But I think you will be surprised uh, about the noise uh, from, from drones or, let's say, bigger drones, uh, eVTOL, electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. The noise is, uh, the noise is, uh, is low, I would say. Okay, interesting perspective. And now to, to wrap up this episode, I'd like to ask you our standard question. Specifically on ATM and UTM, where do you see the evolution and where do you see the industry in five years from now, but also in 50 years from now, when, when we will both be retired, probably. In 50 years, uh, you want me to look into the crystal ball. Uh, I think in five, 50 years, I'm, uh, I'm above 100, so I'm, I'm, I'm retired, uh, no doubt about that. If we look at the ATM, I think uh, on the short term, let's say five to 10 years, uh, and, and if we are in, uh, in Europe, uh, there's no doubt about that it's a, it's a digital uh, environment or it's a more digital environment uh, than today. I hope that ATM in Europe is moving towards a, uh, a single uh, upper uh, airspace. It could be above flight level 245 and also with a common uh, en route chart. Maybe traffic controlled uh, by your control. So, so and if you go to the lower airspace, not the very low airspace, but the lower airspace and terminal airspaces and uh, and tower control as well, I, I hope that um, that it will be a a more competitive market than today, and also with with private companies, private ANSPs, but also the new USSPs, the unmanned uh, service providers. So uh, I think there. 
that I, I think that that will be and and in 50 years uh, if you ask yeah you asked 50 years as well i think everything is um, is automated and we don't have air traffic controllers uh, maybe we have a few air traffic monitors uh, i think that monitoring the the traffic if you look at utm in five years, uh, I think this industry is uh, moving uh, very fast. It's growing more or less every day. And I think in five years time, you will see uh, a lot of drones. Uh, you will also see eVTOL uh, aircrafts uh, operating, I think to begin with, with a pilot on board uh, or, or even with a remote pilot. But but not fully uh, uh, autonomously not not in five years time, and then I hope we have a freewood airspace, of course based on uh, Skypuzzler's uh, algorithm to to tactically deconflict uh, all the traffic or the drones. I think we will see also in in five years five to ten years uh, time, we will also see um, virtual ports in being on buildings, uh, you know, on top of uh, parking uh, houses, uh, hotels, of course, in airports, uh, maybe also in central stations uh, and and at private companies. I want to use this uh, new technology and to, to support the green uh, transition. And in 50 years time within UTM, uh, well, it's, it's still a, a very early days for the industry. But I think we know the, the Paris Agreement and we know the, uh, the European Green Deal stating that uh, the, at least the European Union should become climate uh, resilient by 2050. So to meet these targets, then we must use electrical aircrafts and drone, uh, drone taxes. Uh, if you're flying within a distance of 800 or maybe maximum 1,000 kilometers, you should fly electric. So I think we will see a lot of unmanned aircrafts uh, being used for different uh, tasks, all to contribute to, uh, to the green transition. We have to. Yes, well, thank you very much for sharing your vision for being our guest today. For everybody interested in what we discussed today, you can find more on skypuzzler.com and you have a link in the episode notes to that. Thank you very much. Thank you, Vincent. It was a pleasure to be here. This was Radar Contact. Visit foxatm.com or your favorite podcast platform for more.